story of Upbuild began in a monastery. On our quest to understand ourselves more deeply, we recognize that it is our attachment to our egos, our identities, that gets in the way of being our true selves. This podcast will help you understand your ego. It will help you better understand your inner world, the motivations, insecurities, and emotions that affect your every action and relationship. Welcome to Upbuilding the Self. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Sloyer, and I am here with two of my partners at Upbuild, Razanath and Vipin. Hello, guys. And we are here to talk about one of my favorite and least favorite topics to talk about in the world, and that is the emotion of envy. Razanath, you had written a piece called The Antidote to Envy a while back. And this piece was striking to me because through a very vivid example from your own life, you shared not only how envy can be such a universal and consistent experience for all of us, but also why this emotion is such a toxic emotion. But you left us with a little bit of hope as you shared a way for us to reframe our envy and to work through it in a healthy and productive way. So I was hoping we could dive into these topics and more. And Razanath, I would be grateful if you could get us started by sharing your inspiration for writing this piece. Oh, thank you. So growing up, I always thought that envy was a gift. (laughs) 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 And I refer to this in my piece too, where I felt that it was the drive that made me really go after my goals, my ambitions, become better than other people. And it was only much later on in my life that I realized that there is a price that we pay when we act on envy, especially when envy shows up and it will show up when we have nurtured it in in certain ways, it will show up in our intimate relationship. It will show up in our friendships as well. And I refer to how my envy came in the way of my relationship with a very close friend of mine, a colleague in business school. Uh, And we had spent, spent a lot of time together. We would study together. And after this interaction, that relationship no longer was the same. So now the other person who is experiencing the envy doesn't feel safe anymore. And that to me was a big wake-up call. That's so funny when you were saying that uh, you viewed envy as a gift. My immediate reaction was, you must have grown up in a very different, uh, had a very different experience than I did. And then as you were explaining it, I was thinking, I don't think it was so clear or explicit in my mind how I use that to drive myself. But that is absolutely true. Instead, I just, it would just make me feel bad about myself. So I can't really associate envy with the word gift, as as you just shared. I think it's how we reframe the word envy as drive. And that reframing is not just intellectual, it's also an emotional reframing. And this is true for a lot of competition that we experience in corporate America today, within a company, amongst companies, it is the fuel behind it is envy, but it is so well disguised as as drive. And everybody experiences the negativity as you explained it. Like nobody feels good about experiencing envy towards somebody else. 
but how we turn it around to say, well, that can become a drive for me to excel. Yeah. Well, I think that to me, drive is the coping strategy. So I, I experience envy and how I cope with it is to use that to drive myself so that I can deal with the, the, the suffering that I'm experiencing. And like you said, you use it as fuel. And so it, it becomes my coping strategy to preserve my sense of self. Right. Absolutely. That's exactly it. When we feel envy towards someone and we feel belittled in some way, we feel small. And then how we deal with that feeling, as you said, coping, then becomes a fuel for like excelling, quote unquote, excelling. And that's what we pay. Many times we pay more attention to. That's how I felt <laughs> when I was growing up. Wow. Okay, good. The fact that I feel small in front of this person is a good thing because I'm going to come back <laughs> and defeat this person. But I didn't necessarily realize, only later on did I actually realize how toxic it can be. There's so little space that we put between our feeling of envy and then this compensation into drive. And I've actually had a few conversations in the last couple of weeks about this where I've asked, would you want to get rid of your envy if you could? And you would think the answer would be, of course, I would love to get rid of it. It's, it feels so bad, but it's, the answer is just so much more complex than that because in our minds, at least, it's so tied to the drive. And if we look back on our life, the results that we've been able to achieve. I really want to go more into this because I think what, what I was thinking right before your comment, Michael, was that we often hear this in our workshops as well, which is without that envy, what about my ambition? Would it be lost? Where my drive, the thing that's pushing me to greater and greater heights is that envy. And so if I didn't have that, would I just be complacent? Would I be lazy? I mean, it, it comes up so often in our Enneagram workshops that I need this. This is actually helpful for me to fulfill my complete potential. So let's deconstruct. <laughs> How do we dismiss that idea? Why should it be dismissed? I think it might be very helpful to start with how we define envy itself and how we look at it. I think there are different components to envy. The first component to envy is comparison. Then we look at somebody else and we say, well, that person has this and I don't. The second stage of envy is then connecting that comparison to a sense of self-worth, which that means because that person has this and I don't, that basically means that person is more worthy than I am. The third component under envy, and this is, this is where it's actually very, it starts to become acute, is the feeling, well, why does that person have? And I don't. And I should be having that. And I should be having even more than the other person. Given my talents, given my skills, I should be. So there is at the, at the third layer, there is almost a sense of, well, I deserve that and more. Entitlement. Entitlement, exactly. And why don't I have that? Why don't I have that? So that's where envy really becomes super magnified and experienced. And then the fourth component, which we call is the drive is taking that entitlement 
and putting it into action. <laughs> Say, I'm going to get it. And when it goes to a place where it's going to be, well, I'm going to get it at any cost, that's when it starts to get toxic. And also, we start wishing poorly for the other person. And that's where it breeds deleterious effects in our relationship. That's where it breeds disconnection and an inability to relate and experience happiness for, for another. <laughs> Very true. So the way the entire mechanism is structured is right from the start, it's actually built on scarcity. That person has, I don't. And so when ambition is driven by scarcity, that's what it needs to experience drive. <laughs> when ambition is built on a principle, a standard, a goal that's not based on comparison, that ambition is experienced very differently. So in the case of envy and envy-fueling ambition, the baseline for that is an experience of scarcity. I was thinking that uh, I may be experiencing envy right now in your ability to take a topic like envy and break it down into these four <laughs> categories and walk through each of these spontaneously as if like you've written a book on it. <laughs> but, but th thankfully, I don't, uh, I'm not wishing ill on you just yet. <laughs> <laughs> at the kernel of every experience of envy there is appreciation for what the other person has the other person may have something that you deeply appreciate and it also may signify something amazing about the other person where it gets tricky is when we suddenly think that as overshadowing our own sense of self-worth yeah, I think that this is one of the single most powerful insights that you specifically have given me, Rasanath. I, think, I can't remember when the first time you shared this with me. It was at least a few years ago, but that envy is really admiration being distorted in, in, in some way. And as I started to internalize that, when I feel a pinch of envy and am able to actually look at what am I really admiring? What's there that I'm admiring in the other person? And before I turn it to me in terms of what's lacking in me, can I keep my attention on what I'm, what is there to admire and, and appreciate like you're saying? And it's such a beautiful reframing of the experience of, of envy that actually what's happening is that I'm deeply admiring someone. And that is a really satisfying and fulfilling experience. Yeah, I also completely agree. It's so powerful. In the example that you just shared about Rasanath being so eloquent in his breaking it down and the pinch of envy, I think that's clear how if you can shift that into admiration, that will feel good and genuine and real for all parties involved and help with that connection. What if we take the example of what so many of us, myself, for sure included, with this LinkedIn effect of being on LinkedIn and, you know, seeing the startup that raised X hundred million dollars or some guy who just hit it big and, you know, bought a beautiful house on a beach somewhere. And it's not clear that I actually admire the person for doing the things that they are doing. I am envious of what they have. How might we think about it using a similar framework? 
It's excellent. I really appreciate that nuance there around and, and the complexity around envy. So if you appreciate a person, you can see that, yeah, I appreciate this person. And then I wish I had what this person has. And that's clear. Where it gets even more tricky is when I don't appreciate the person, when I don't appreciate the person's method, attitudes, <laughs> and then this person gets <laughs> everything that I wish I got. Yeah, but you still want what they have. <laughs> you still want what they have. And here's, here's even trick, the trickier thing about envy. You could do what they do to get things and then they get it. And you wish, like, I could just with the same ease just go about doing that and you can't. What happens then? The second thing that we will need to look at there is how is that tied to my own sense of self-worth? Maybe I don't appreciate what this person does to get what he or she gets. And that may be true. But then why am I still attached to the... (laughs) opulence that this person has, the big house, the amount of funding that this person, does that say something about my self-worth versus this other person's self-worth? And many times we will see that is true. We measure our self-worth based on those externals. Yeah, that's great. So if I measure my sense of self-worth by the house that I can afford, and then I see somebody who has afforded a beautiful house, even if they've done it through means that I would not consider very admirable, I'm still going to experience envy because my sense of self-worth is linked to that house. That's right. So I, I end up criticizing the other person. And many times what I say about the other person, about the other person's attitude, about the other person's means to get the end might be true. <laughs> but where it's coming from is to tear down the other person because I feel like what that other person has, I should have. So this is something that I had to confront. I have experienced envy towards uh, this particular individual who has been phenomenally successful in terms of building a coaching practice and extremely like famous at this point in time. And I had to really look inside of myself and some of the some of the approaches and methods it's not something that i would i would personally like resonate with internally and i have strong differences of opinion and at one point in time i started sharing that more with other people well i'm not like well i don't do these things i don't <laughs> you know i don't and i found that i was actually subtly tearing down the other person and i had to ask myself do i desire the good of that person do I truly want this person to succeed? When I looked at myself, you know, the answer was I actually wanted the person to fail. Thank you for sharing that. When I think about my own personal antidote to envy, I think for me, there's three components, one, two of which we've kind of talked about, one we haven't, but you know, one is just recognizing my own fear of worthlessness. That's so, I mean, it's my Enneagram type is built on top of this fear. And then my, you know, I see, I see it everywhere. And so then when the feeling of envy comes and I can just remember, oh yeah, there's that fear front and center. And I can see this where it's coming from. It helps to get a little more 
distance from that envy, just knowing like, okay, because usually I would be in a reaction before I even know it. I'm feeling pinched. I'm feeling bad about myself. But as, as I can relate it back to seeing this, my sense of worth being called into question, okay, okay, I, I can take a little more distance. I think the second thing for me is this point that we were talking about earlier around admiration and seeing like, okay, really what's happening is I'm, I'm deeply admiring someone else. And let me see, let me actually like give a lot of energy to that admiration instead of turning that energy on myself. Michael, you asked a good question. What if you're not actually admiring? So to me, then sometimes that goes back to the first piece, which is, well, I'm admiring the results that <laughs> if nothing else, I'm admiring the, the results and the outcome. And it's pointing again to my sense of self-worth or, or lack of. The third thing that I wanted to share that I was thinking about is purpose. And what I've noticed is while I've always claimed to have a purpose in my work, when the deeper purpose has not really been existent and the purpose has been to be successful, right? That is the purpose. Then it's on quite shaky ground. So then when, when that, when that is my purpose and when I see anyone more successful than me, I mean, because it's not grounded in anything that is larger than like, how are people perceiving me? That my purpose is basically to be perceived as a highly successful person. And because it's all relative, then the LinkedIn effect, as you, as you pointed out, is very real and poignant. But a shift has been when there's, you know, in, in our work at Upbuild over the last five years, a deeper sense of purpose in my own work, when I see somebody else achieving great heights, I don't feel as thrown off because I feel like I'm actually connected to my own purpose that I feel deeply. And so I think that that is one of the, I mean, that can be a lifelong journey, a lifelong challenge, but to be able to work to finding that purpose for oneself, because as long as it has just been to be successful at whatever I do, which I wouldn't have even said that that was my explicit purpose, but that was really what it was. Then it's just, I'm just buffeted by every indication that I'm not as successful. The, the purpose doesn't, doesn't, it's not rooted very deeply. Thank you for, for sharing that, those three things so explicitly. And with the third one with purpose, it's not that we can't also be motivated by wanting to be the most successful. I mean, for many of us, that's in our DNA. And although we'd love to work towards it as an eventual goal, it's, it might not be realistic in the short run. So it's not that we want to completely rid ourselves of having that as our purpose, but like the wisdom texts teach us. And like we've talked about in many of our more spiritual workshops and, and courses, we want to find a higher taste, a higher purpose. And so usually that, that higher taste and that higher purpose, it's already there. It might be the original spark for why we pursued something in the first place. Maybe, maybe it's not, but, but maybe it is. And if we can just draw our awareness more frequently to that purpose, that can be so helpful, whether it's a little sticky pad on our desk or a reminder in some other way. 
that even if we're still holding the motivation of I want to be successful, how can I draw my attention towards that, that higher purpose? Yeah. Well, I also think that to be successful, to want to be, that's not purpose. That is a desire. I have that desire myself, but that is different from purpose. I completely agree with you. And I also think that directly ties to the idea of self-worth because purpose comes from inside out. (laughs) A sense of success you will always see will be, it has the definition of that. It's a shifting goalpost. It's outside in. It's a shifting goalpost. Um, The other thing about success too is 10 years ago, I had defined success in a certain way. I achieved it. And when I get there, I still don't feel successful. (laughs) But purpose has a a very powerful uh, and a very different experience. When I live my purpose, even when externally, the results don't necessarily manifest the way I want for it to manifest. When I live my purpose, I feel very fulfilled because I also recognize that the outcome is beyond my control. But my purpose is to serve. (laughs) And uh, that is a a much more internal experience of it's not, as you said, it's not hollow, it's deep, it's very deeply grounded. Yeah. Well, another example from my, my own experience is as a startup founder, when my purpose is just wanting to make this company successful and have a successful exit, then every time I see someone in my network having that experience, all I can see is, well, I'm not there yet. I'm not fulfilling my quote unquote purpose of being successful. And and all these things around me are making me aware of the delta between those people and where I'm at versus if I'm actually pursuing this mission from a place that like deep purpose, then, you know, when someone in doing something in a completely orthogonal industry, certain, you know, achieving something, then it's harder to experience the same pinches because the purpose is very different. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't experience envy anymore. I have a lot of envy. I have a lot of envy in my life, but um, I just, those are a few things that, that I use to help center myself when I have an experience of envy. So one of the traps that people fall into is that they mask their core drive to be successful. If that is the driving force, for whatever the vision mission of their company is or some other more noble purpose that they think they have but if they really look inside and again from personal experience if i really look inside you know what is the core driver and so just stopping and taking a second and really asking ourselves like what is driving me here that takes for us to really step back and one acknowledge that we are are envious. And then to see how it's tied to my sense of self-worth. And so as we come to a close here, we'd love to hear from both of you about 
what's at stake? Why is this such an important topic? And why do we need to get this right when we think about our own tendency to experience envy? One thing that immediately comes to mind is some of the toxicity that I have experienced over social media. And what I see many times is in the criticism, and there's just so much criticism. And we talk about cancel culture, we talk about so much going on, that underneath all of that, there's just so much envy. So envy at its core breeds toxicity which is why it becomes so important to look at it, arrest it, and deal with it differently. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Michael, when you asked the question, what's at stake, the first word that popped into my mind was ego. And that when we are reinforcing these experiences of envy, we're getting just, just further and further entrenching ourselves in the ego, in the those identities. And we've talked a lot about our sense of worth and where does that come from. But when I sort of double down on the envy, when I use the envy as a as a driver, this is who I am. I am all of these identities, and I'm out there to prove I'm just further and further entrenching the ego in my life and what's at stake. I mean, we, we talk about this at Upbuild in a lot of different forums that the self, the deepest part of who we are, the soul is actually not envious. There is a feeling of abundance there. And Rasnath talked about scarcity. When we think about envy, the ego is the opposite. And so in this spectrum between self and ego, where are we moving closer to living the life of the self, or are we moving closer to living the life of the ego? I mean, when I think about that, what's it's, that's a lot at stake. I can live my whole life from that place of ego identity and actually get further, further away from, from my true self. If you're experiencing envy, and if you realize you're experiencing envy towards somebody, you can do two simple things to start with. One is if you genuinely appreciate the person, go and vocalize it, <laughs> appreciate the person. And you suddenly you will see the envy actually starting to dissipate. It takes some courage to do it, but when you do it, it's just dissolves. It just dissipates. And that's a very powerful experience to have. And when you do that repeatedly, you will find a way to counter envy as soon as you experience it. The second thing, which is a little different, when you experience envy towards someone or for what they have, but you're very sure that there is something about their approach, their process, or their character that is truly not right, not correct. Restrain from criticizing the person. Employing these two techniques goes a long way to working on our own envy. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Upbuilding the Self. Upbuild is a leadership development company that offers workshops, coaching, and other services to help you on the path towards being your best self, free from the shackles of the ego. To learn more about our work, visit our website, upbuild.com, 
and sign up for our newsletter to gain access to podcasts, reflections, and upcoming events. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes to leave us a review so that others can find and benefit from the podcast. We look forward to being with you again next time.